time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Oh, yes, that's right. It is time for the Vintage Truth Podcast because it's time for truth. It's time for God's truth to break through the lies that Satan has flooded this world with, has permeated the minds of people with, and his lies are disseminated throughout literally every means possible in this world, through media, through people, and unfortunately, even through the church. Uh, There are so many churches today that are afraid to tell the truth, afraid to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth from God's word. And people are hungry for the truth. I really believe that. I really believe that once people have tasted the truth, I'm talking about true Christian believers, true born-again people, that once they've tasted what the truth is, there's, there's no going back. They don't want to have their ears tickled. I cannot tell you the number of people who contact me and who I hear about that are so longing in their church for somebody to get up and declare what is real and what is true from God's word and stop playing this game of simply trying to keep people happy and coming to church. And there's such an expediency that so many pastors have today. And if you're a part of a church that opens the book and there are people out there in the congregation that are also opening the book as well, and you're all following along in God's word, you are riveted to the truth of God. If there's a pastor that is unashamedly and boldly proclaiming the truth verse by verse, then let me tell you something. You are among the privileged in the Christian community. And so many people contact me. I can't even tell you the number of people that just say, Jeff, we can't find a church that does that. Oh, they use the Bible. They have a service. They smile up front. They tell a funny joke. There's a great story, and there's a verse involved, but it's just the verse is just kind of like the launching board for whatever topic they want to talk about today. Now, there's nothing wrong with a topical message. Many of the messages that I give here are topical in nature, but they're all grounded in Scripture. And I'm not trying to impress you. I'm not trying to entertain you. I'm trying to equip you and deepen you and challenge you and exhort you to move on with God, to go deep with God. So, yeah, I know it's hard out there because there aren't that many churches, quite frankly, that are really doing that. And I'm not here to replace that, but I am here to supplement that in your life, to give you some of God's vintage truth. Hey, we're talking about a great topic here, and the topic is Big Jesus. And what we're talking about here is how big is Jesus? I mean, how great is he? How how incredible is Jesus Christ? And, you know, we talked about in the first of this little series that Christ is, is worthy enough to be your God. We outlined that, went deep into that. We talked about last time how he is able to be your Savior. And we unpacked what does it mean to say Jesus died for me on the cross? We've got two more in this little series. Today I want to talk about this. I want to talk about, is Christ willing to be your source of everything that you need, of the real things that you need? You know, in in our world today, and especially in America, 
we feel that we are entitled to certain things. In fact, we seek these things. We seek comfort. This is in our Christianity, right? We seek comfort. And what I mean by that is just a sense of everything's going going to go smoothly. Don't rock the boat with my Christianity. Don't don't challenge me outside of my comfort zone. We seek happiness. We seek a Christianity that can just make us happy. We seek a Christian life of relative ease. We don't like to be made uncomfortable or to be challenged too much. And we seek really a Christian life that gives us pleasure. And, you know, there's a fine line here sometimes between being a consumer-driven Christian, which is what can it do for me? What can the church do for me? That's one of the biggest problems that we have in the church today is that people are wanting to know what the church can do for them. And, yes, the church is called to do things for people, but then people who by this time should be teachers should be jumping in and doing things for the body of Christ. And we see them sitting back and soaking and consuming But at the same time, Jesus Christ does, by virtue of who he is and what he has already done and what he continues to provide, he has promised to do certain things for us, to be certain sources for us. I just want to outline just three of those in today's podcast. Here's the first one. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is our source of peace, our source of peace of peace. You know, over in Philippians, Paul wrote to the Philippians, he was telling them uh, to, uh, to pray and, uh, and to not to be anxious for anything. In Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And he says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's an entire message there many messages on the peace of God. You know, when when we received the salvation, when we trusted in Christ in his finished payment on the cross, we talked about last time, when we do that, we we receive peace with God. There's peace declared. There's a, a ceasefire in our relationship with God. But after the peace that we get with God, he says we can also enjoy the peace of God. Now, what is exactly the peace of God. Well, Jesus outlines that for us a little bit over in John chapter 14. This is what he says. He's talking to his disciples. The last night he's with them. Obviously, they're about to to face a, a whirlwind of trouble, a whirlwind of anxiety, a whirlwind of uncertainty because Christ is about to be arrested and crucified. And even after he's raised, resurrected and sends back to the father what happens after then persecution right so christ gives them these words he says in john 14 27 he says peace i leave with you my peace i give to you not as the world gives do i give to you let not your heart be troubled nor let it be fearful it actually said that earlier in john 14 when he said in Uh, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now he's saying, hey, don't be troubled because I'm here to be your peace. I am your peace. Not just the principles of my word, not just the things that have happened previously in your Christian experience, 
but daily. I am your peace. I, I am your serene spot. I am your place of tranquility. It's not crossing your legs and, and emptying your mind or, or saying a chant or meditating on some Eastern mystical truth. It's not just telling yourself that everything is going to be all right. Not singing a Bob Marley song, you know. It's not that. Jesus says, I, I alone, I want to be your peace. And then just a little while later in John 16, Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you that in me, in me, you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. You see, Christ is our peace. When we, as we dwell our minds in God, as we reflect on who he is and what he has done for us, and then we look to him as a source of our peace, especially in difficult times, then we're able to handle this thing. Like Isaiah 26.3, speaking of the, the character of God, it says, you will keep in perfect peace whose mind is remained on you or stayed upon you. Ephesians 2.14 says that Jesus himself is our peace. And of course, Isaiah 9.6, the great prophecy of Christ says he will be the prince of peace, obviously referring to the peace that he'll bring one day to the world, but also our peace as well. So the question is, are you willing to allow Jesus to be your source of peace? And not to think, that well, if things work out, then I'll have peace. No, what if things don't work out? You know, that's like the old saying, hey, cheer up. Things could be worse. So you cheer up. And guess what? Yeah, sure enough, things got worse. Sometimes things get worse. Sometimes, sometimes problems in our lives are not resolved for a long time. Sometimes they go on for a long time. So what are you going to do? How are you going to manage that pain, manage that confusion? How are you going to handle that in your life, that anxiety? See, with Jesus, Jesus is the cure for anxiety attacks. Did you know that? He's the cure for a low-grade anxiety that so many Christians carry with them. Look to Christ as your peace. So let him be that source. Secondly, the Bible says also that Jesus is our joy, that he's our joy. So what, what, do, you, what do you mean by that? Well, so that we can be happy all the time as Christians, people look at us and go, man, look at that guy. He is, he's always wearing a smile. He's just, I see him and, and he's just got zippity doodah just written all over him, man. He's just a happy guy. That's not what joy is. Joy is, is a sense of, of settled fulfillment, of knowing that when this whole thing works itself out, God's still going to be in charge. And I can rest in that. I can have that sense of joy. Even in my difficult circumstances, I can, I don't have to be happy, I don't have to be giddy, I don't have to do a dance, but I can still have joy. That sense of knowing that God is in control and because of that, I can, I'm okay, I'm at peace. And I can actually have joy. Jesus in John 17, this is in his high priestly prayer. He said this, he says, talking to the Father, he says, but now I come to you, Father, and these things I speak in the world that they, my disciples, may have my joy made full in themselves. You say, Christ 
wow, I mean, he, this is his high priestly prayer. This is right before he was arrested and beaten almost to death and then crucified and then suffered the wrath of God on the cross. But Christ was still able to have the joy of the Father because he knew what was going to happen on the other side. You know, sometimes our joy, we don't don't have joy in our circumstances. Why? Because our circumstances change. And our circumstances are unreliable. They cannot be counted upon. We can't depend upon our circumstances. It's like looking for a paycheck and it's like, no, I'm going to get paid on Friday. And yeah, that gives you a certain degree of satisfaction and, and even happiness, right? So there are things, that, but guess what? You could lose that job or you could have a pay cut or you, you could you know, be fired or whatever. You may not always have that job. You may not always enjoy the level of lifestyle that you have right now. So if that were taken away, and this is a real good test to ask yourself, if X were taken away, could I still be joyful in my life? If I lost this, could I still be joyful? And ultimately, there's only one thing that can't be taken away from you, and that's your relationship with Christ, your salvation. So knowing that his joy is in us and that it can be made full gives us that sense of comfort and allows us to to express that back to him. I mean, his word is really what what gives us uh, that joy because we get that that word in us. In fact, uh, in Philippians 4, 4, this is one of the most famous verses on joy. And it's so often misrepresented and misunderstood. In Philippians 4, 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. They made up that, I'm going to say it, that stupid song that just gets hung in your mind. It's really annoying, that, that tune, right? The principle is not, though. Rejoice in the Lord. And when did Paul say that? Well, it was right after he had just won the Roman lottery. And he was a billion. No, he didn't win the lottery. He was in prison when he said that. You know, nobody's joyful in prison. Nobody's joyful when they don't know if they're about to have their head chopped off. But he was. He made a choice to rejoice, but not just have a happy thought. You know, it wasn't that. He chose to rejoice in the Lord. See, Paul's source of joy was in God himself. That's where it came from. Was Obviously not in his circumstances because his circumstances were bad. But Paul rejoiced in the Lord. Listen to what Romans 14, 17 says. It says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit, by the way, right? We talk about peace, joy, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, etc. It comes from, the, from God himself. So when you find yourself in a moment where it's like, okay, my emotions are not there, I'm not happy emotionally. You can still have joy, even when the emotions are not there. There's so much more I want to say about this. I need to move on. Here's the third source that Christ gives to you and to me. It's not just peace, not just joy, but he also gives hope. He gives hope. You know, in Romans chapter 15, in verse 13, this is what uh, Paul wrote. He said, Now may the God of hope, the God of hope, fill you with all, look at there, joy and peace, 
in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so he's called there the God of hope. He's And what that means, that, that word of there, is it's talking about the source. It's the origin of hope. It's where you get it. You say, where do I get food? The grocery store. Where do I get gas? The gas station, right? Where do I get medical help? I, at the doctor, at the hospital. Jesus, where do you get hope? You get hope from God. That's where you get hope from. That He's the hope dispenser. And nothing else can give us that kind of hope. There's so many more verses I, I want to tell you about this. But let me let me just camp out on, on one little passage over in the book of Hebrews. It's in Hebrews chapter 6. And it's speaking of what Christ gives us because of what he did on the cross. And listen to what it says here. It's Hebrews chapter 6 beginning verse uh, verse 18. And there's there's previous things talking about Abraham and Abraham uh, having faith in God and receiving the promise from God. Verse 18 says, In order that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we may have strong encouragement. We who have fled for refuge in laying hold of the hope set before us. That hope is the hope of salvation. It's the hope of ultimate salvation of being brought to heaven. Verse 19, this hope, I, this is one of my favorite phrases in all of the Bible. He says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul. The soul anchor is the hope in Jesus Christ. A hope sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil or past the curtain of the Holy of Holies where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. What he's saying there is that Jesus Christ entered in that Holy of Holies and made the, the payment on the mercy seat, spilled his blood on the mercy seat, causing us to be able to rest and to know that there is a sure promise. He says it here. It's the promise of our salvation, that this whole thing is not just made up. This whole Christian thing, this whole life that we talk about in Christ, this whole idea of Christ and salvation and going to heaven one day and all this, it's not a fairy tale. And the writer of Hebrews is just, he's hammering this thing down deep into our hearts. He's saying it's like an anchor. It didn't matter what happens on the surface. The anchor holds. The anchor holds. He says it's a hope that is steadfast and sure. That means it's guaranteed for us. Gosh. I mean, how do you even put that into your mind? That the promises that God has made to you are so incredibly sure that, that many times in Scripture he speaks of it as, as if, as if it's already happened. That's how sure our promise in Christ really is. And so that's why Jesus said in John 15, abide in me, rest in me, get your source like, like the branches do from the vine. Get your source of peace from me. Get your source of joy from me. Get your source of hope from me. And the point is, believer, that Jesus is not only willing to, to be your source of these things. 
but he's pleading with you to let him be your source. Wow. That's incredible what we get. That's a big Jesus right there, right? Hey, we got one more in this series coming up, and it's going to blow your mind. Hey, stay with me. I'll see you next time on the Vintage Truth Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.